Thank you so much. All of the music tonight has been outstanding. And I echo what uh, Brother Andrew said earlier. It's not that way everywhere. And so uh, enjoy what you have. Appreciate what you have. And uh, what a tremendous crowd of people tonight. I do miss Andy. How many of you miss Andy? Not because you messed the scripture up. That's not why. For a minute there, Kevin, I thought you were being led of the Lord to guide me to a different text tonight or something. I wasn't quite sure what you were doing, but uh, it was all good, (laughs) really good. Oh, these people have been friends for a long time, and it's just great to be together. Your pastor is one of my favorite people on earth, and I mean that. And I, um, we had a free night tonight, and so I was planning to come down and just slip in and hear him preach because I love hearing him preach the Bible. You're a blessed people to have the kind of shepherd you have in this place, a faithful shepherd feeding the flock, and you don't need a guest preacher to give you the Bible. You get a lot of that every week. Uh, but he has been my friend for a long time and a real encouragement to my family. They're all jealous tonight. This is my family's favorite place to vacation. It's just about 15, 20 minutes from here. And so every time we've come down, been here in the church, they have just gone home, not talking about the place, but talking about the pastor and the church every time. And uh, thank you for showing the love of God to us through the years and praying for us. I appreciate it so very much. Well, let's open the Word of God together to the book of 1 John. Chapter 2 or chapter 3 would be fine, Uh, but let's try chapter 2, all right? I'm not going to let you forget this either. Look at 1 John chapter 2. I'm going to give you a one-word sermon tonight. How many of you would like to hear a one-word sermon? Some of you are saying, praise God. We've been praying for one of those for a while. Don't get too excited. It's going to take me a few minutes to explain the word. It's found in verse 20 and again in verse 27. And at a glance, you may say, oh, those are different words, but actually it's the exact same word that John uses. It's found about 20 times in our Bible, and twice it is found in this portion of Scripture. Verse 20 says, but ye have an, what's that word, church? An unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I can hear Johnny Pope praying in my mind right now. An unction to function. You ever heard him pray for that? And I want the unction to function. Uh, But I want you to mark the word in verse 20, unction. Then come to verse 27, and he says, But the anointing, which you mark in verse 27, the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing, there it is again, teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. I want you to mark in verse 20 the word unction, and in verse 27 the word anointing, and connect the two in your Bible, and connect the two in your thinking, because this is the exact same word, the unction and the anointing. There's some religious groups that use the word unction and, frankly, even the word anointing uh, to mean lots of different crazy things that are not taught in Scripture. How many of you think it's a good idea we stick with what Scripture says? So I really don't care what some man says unction is or what some man says anointing is. I want to know what is the unction and the anointing that God is talking about in His Word. This is not man's Word. This is God's Word. When I finish preaching tonight, I am absolutely content with you forgetting who the preacher was. I mean that. I really could care less that you remember the outline and all the mechanics of the sermon. 
But I want you to get this Bible word in your heart. The last few weeks, I don't know why, other than just the Holy Spirit just prodding me, the Lord keeps bringing me back to this word. I don't know that I've ever preached on it, but he just keeps bringing me back, bringing me back, bringing me back. And yesterday I was on an airplane, and I had a lot on my mind and working on several things and preparing for upcoming meetings and just a lot going on up there. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And right in the middle of all of that, don't you love it when the Lord interrupts? Right in the middle of all that, the Holy Spirit brought this verse to my mind, the unction and the anointing. And I remember on, on the plane, not for you, and I think I'm to share it with you tonight, but it really wasn't for you. It was first for me. Really, I'm just going to preach to me tonight and let you listen. Is that all right? But on that plane, the Lord just deeply impressed on me. You know, Scott, what you really need, what you really need is actually what you already have, which is the unction and the anointing. If I ask you tonight, do you have the unction of God? Somebody say, well, I hope I do. How many saved people are here? Wait at me just a second. You know the Lord. Then you have the unction. If I, if I said to you, oh, I tell you, that church has the anointing of God on it. You ever hear somebody talk that way? Or you, or you hear somebody talk about a preacher and they say, now that man's anointed. Or you hear a singer sing and somebody says, that song was anointed. How many of you ever heard somebody talk that way? Well, I want to tell you on the authority of the word of God tonight that if it is connected to Jesus and if it's a believer, it, it is absolutely true to say they have the anointing. But this is not some exclusive thing that is for the religious elite and that only the people on the platform get in on. This is something every one of God's children has at this moment, whether you recognize it or not. And here's the amazing thing is where this is in the Bible. What book are we in? I know we're in the Bible, but specifically what book are we in there? First John. Now, John, of course, wrote the revelation of Jesus Christ. I was in a revival meeting last week and preached the Revelation chapter 1, and I've been living on the Isle of Patmos a little bit. But it dawned on me that revelation is what God gave John on the Isle of Patmos, but 1st, 2nd, 3rd John is what God gave John on his way to the Isle of Patmos. How many of you know when you're on your way out to the Isle of Patmos, you need something from God? Going through the persecution with an uncertain future, before the veil gets rent and before heaven opens and before the glory of God is seen, before that, you know what you need? You need to be reminded who you are, whose you are, and what you have in Jesus Christ. And that is why 1 John is one of the most positive books in the whole Bible. And we're living in negative times. How many of you have watched the news in the last 24 hours? Would you raise your hand? Sad, isn't it? It really is sad, all that's going on in this world, world out of control. And if you're not careful, you become an Eeyore Christian. You remember who Eeyore was? So everything's bad. Everything's on the down note. I travel every week, and I'm in different places every week. And I, I ask people, how you doing? And, and some people, you wish you had never asked them the question, you know. And you hear things like, oh, preacher, I'm telling you, I'm just barely making it through. And I understand we all have problems and we all have things to deal with, but I just want to remind you that John, the last of the Lord's living disciples, facing the, the, the tremendous persecution of his day with an uncertainty about his future, writes under inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God this powerful book of assurance and faith and confidence in Almighty God. I'm going to tell you the Lord has something for his people in the midst of what we're dealing with right now. So... In a book of assurance, what's the word? Anointing. This is really interesting. Back up to verse number 18. Did you notice this phrase, it's the last time? 
Mark it in your Bible like bookends on verse 18. What's the first phrase? Little children, it is the what? I didn't hear you. Let's try that one again. Little children, it is the what? Hmm. Look at the end of verse number 18. We know that it is the what? Now, look, when the Lord repeats himself, it's never because he forgot he said it. It's because there's something here he doesn't want us to forget that he said twice in one verse. He reminds us we're living in the last time. Somebody said to me, uh, when do you think we're living, preacher? Look, I think we're living in the last of the last time. Personally, I don't know that. Only God really knows. I think, let me tell you where I think we're living. I think we're living on the edge of eternity. Any moment we may step into the presence of Almighty God. Matter of fact, we might just all go from Jupiter tonight. How many of you be all right with going all together from here? Yes? Man, I wouldn't have to fly out of here later this week. I'd be on the first class flight to heaven. That'd be a glorious way. Meet my family in the clouds. That day's going to come. But here's, here's one thing I know. In the last times, in the age of apostasy, that's what he's describing in this passage of Scripture. When people are, are turning from revealed truth and rejecting the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and saying no to light, it's in that moment that God's people must remember they have an unction. They have the anointing of Almighty God. I think it's interesting that he keeps mentioning the Antichrist, too. Don't you think that's interesting? Everywhere I go right now, people want to say, well, preacher, what do you think about the Antichrist? I, I have no idea who he is. I'm not looking for him. I'm looking for Jesus. Somebody say, well, who do you think he is? Who knows and who cares? I'm not planning to be here. If you want to stick around, have at it. I'm not planning to be here with him. But there is not only the person of Antichrist, there's a spirit of Antichrist. Many, matter of fact, the Bible says there are many Antichrists. How many of you think you've ever met an Antichrist? That doesn't mean, look, the Antichrist is someone who tries to take the place of Jesus instead of Christ. But look, Mark in verse number 18, many Antichrists. You see the plural there? Little a? That means in opposition to Christ. They're, they're opposed to Jesus. Everything God ordains, Satan opposes. And so what, what is this world pushing back on right now? They're all right with you going to a church building. They're all right with you being religious, they're not all right with you talking about Jesus all the time. Do you know why that is? Because there's one name given under heaven whereby we must be saved, and that's the name of Jesus Christ. There's only one name that hell trembles at and heaven rejoices at and earth is changed by, and that's the glorious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You ever wonder why nobody ever curses in anybody's name but Jesus? When was the last time you heard somebody get mad and say, Buddha. No, I'm serious. Or Muhammad, or Confucius, or Joseph Smith. Not one of them. I'm going to tell you why. Because Satan's not scared of any of those names. He trembles at the name of Jesus Christ. And so we're living in the age of apostasy and the age of Antichrist. And on the verge of the Antichrist coming, what do we need? Look, listen to me now. We need God's people to remember what they have. You have the unction of God. You have the anointing of God. Now, if that's true, how many of you think it might be good if we identified what it is? Let's make it real simple. I'll give you the bottom line first. Before we make our list, by the way, get your pen out. Get you something to write on. And we'll give you some things to write down in just a minute. I want you to write them down so you can chew on them when the meeting's done tonight. But let me give you the bottom line first. I'll go all the way to the end. Are you ready? It's not a what, it's a who. The unction and the anointing is the person of the Holy Spirit of God. I'm a Baptist preacher. You're sitting tonight in a Baptist church. And I want to tell you, Baptist people ought not be afraid of talking about the Holy Spirit. 
I love the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you why I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because 42 years ago, he opened my eyes and showed me who Jesus was. I love the Holy Spirit. I love the Holy Spirit because everything I've come to understand from Scripture, and i got a long ways to go, and so do you, but everything I do understand from Scripture, I understand because the Holy Ghost of God turned the light on. Every good thing that God has sent from heaven to my heart has come by means of the Holy Spirit of God. On the day of your salvation, the Holy Ghost of God moves into your heart. He doesn't rent, He buys. He doesn't move in and out, He moves in to stay. Matter of fact, on the day of your conversion, he backs heaven's U-Haul up to your front door and starts the largest remodeling project in the history of the world. And he starts moving out of you everything that is fleshly and against the work of the Spirit of God and moving in all the spiritual riches that God gives us through Jesus Christ. I say again, I love the Holy Spirit. You think it's sad that somebody could move into your house, live there for 40 years, and you never talk to them? That sounds like a marriage conference subject, doesn't it? Some of us, some of us been saved for 40 years. And if I said, tell me about the Father, you could tell me about the Father. And I said, tell me about the Son, you can tell me about the Son. And I said, tell me about the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, he's, yeah, he's God too. No, no, he's God living inside of you. The Holy Spirit is the unction and anointing of Almighty God that you need at this present hour to live victoriously in the face of all of the spiritual opposition we're dealing with right now. We've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. We don't seek the unction. The Bible never says pray for the anointing, ask for the unction. It says this, you have the unction and you have the anointing. I'll tell you what we need. We need to get back to stop begging God for what God's already given us and begin to recognize what we have through the Spirit of Christ living on the inside. Sometimes to identify what something is, it's easiest to identify what it is not. So let me give you both, all right? Would you write them down? Let's make a little list real quick. Number one, I want you to write down that the unction and the anointing, first of all, is not something, it is someone. You don't treat the Holy Spirit as an object. He's not a force. He's not some spooky something. He's a real person, co-equal, co-existent, co-eternal with God the Father and God the Son. In fact, did you see all three members of the Godhead here in this passage? First words we read, verse 18, little children. That reminds us we're in the family. And as a member of the family, we have a heavenly father. Anybody else glad you're a child of the heavenly father? And when you come to verse 22 and 23 and 24, repeatedly he talks about the father and the son, the father and the son, the father and the son. We, we have a father, and he has a perfect son who is our Savior, the Lord Jesus But don't miss the Holy Spirit in this passage because it is the Spirit of God who is the unction in verse 20 from the Holy One. He is the anointing in verse 27, which you have received of Him. When you receive the Son, you get the Holy Spirit of God. Now, the word is really interesting because the word unction or anointing was a word that was used by the priest. The word literally means to smear oil on. So... The idea is that they would, they would anoint something like the temple, the tabernacle, the, the holy things. How would they do it? They would pour oil. They would smear oil all over it. That's fascinating. Get the picture in your mind. There is, there's a definite pouring on and covering of. Watch this, please. All through Scripture, one of the great symbols of the Holy Spirit is He is the oil. 
He is the life-giving oil. He is the precious supply that keeps the fire burning and makes the light shine. That's who the Holy Spirit of God is. Do you know who Jesus is? He's our great high priest. The high priest was himself anointed with oil. I wish you had time to take you to all the passages. Luke records for us Jesus reading one day in the synagogue, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, for he hath... Anybody know the next word? anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He was anointed. Twice in the book of Acts, Dr. Luke records the exact same thing, that Jesus was anointed of God, Acts chapter 4, that he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and with power. In other words, get the picture, the Heavenly Father, oh, I love this, poured all of the Holy Ghost out on Jesus. In fact, we're told in Scripture that the Holy Spirit was given without measure to him. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was given to men. The Holy Spirit came and went. He came to equip for service, and then he could be removed. That's how Saul could have the Spirit of God on him, and then the Spirit of God could be withdrawn. But when you come to the New Testament, this is, this is powerful. Do you understand why the Spirit of God doesn't come and go with you? Because he came to Jesus, and he stayed on Jesus. Do you remember the baptism waters? When the dove came out of heaven symbolizing the Holy Ghost, and John said, I was told this, when, he, when, when it's the Messiah, the Spirit of God will come and remain on him. Oh, friend, that dove came and sat down on the lovely Son of God, and there's no record that he ever left. Now, I don't mean by that he walked around with a dove on his shoulder for, 33, for three and a half years, but I mean by that the Spirit of God was given to him, remaining on him. And watch this. When you come to know Jesus all that is Christ becomes your own. Psalm 133 talks about the anointing of the high priest, Aaron. And Psalm 133, verse number 2, says that the oil was poured out on the head, went down to the beard, and then went all the way down to the hem of the garment. That's, that's such a picture. Look at it, please, just a minute. Who is our head? Who is our living head? That's the Lord Jesus The Holy Spirit was poured out on him. But watch this. Jesus didn't keep the Holy Ghost to himself. No, he extended the Holy Spirit to all who are connected to him, all who are part of his body. How many of you know you're connected to Jesus? Then you receive the person of the Holy Spirit of God. In fact, the Bible says if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Years ago, somebody said to me, did you get the Holy Ghost yet? And I said, oh, yes, years ago. Tell me about it. I trusted Jesus as my Savior, and on that day, the Spirit of the living God came to live inside of my heart. Look, I was just a boy. I didn't understand all that then. It wasn't some spooky, mystical kind of thing, but it's reality. I believe what the Bible says about it, and you may say, man, I feel like I'm just down at the hem of the garment. I I feel like I'm the least of the Lord's believers. Let me remind you that even that woman that touched the hem of the garment received the virtue from the Lord Jesus, and the oil of the Holy Ghost that was poured out on the head of Christ comes all the way down to the least of the believers. You have not something, you have someone. Second truth, write this one down, would you please? This is not just for preachers, it's for all of God's people. I think sometimes we think, well, the preacher needs the Holy Spirit. How many of you would like your pastor to be a spirit-filled man? Would you raise your hand? Well, he is, aren't you glad? I wouldn't want to go to a church where a man stood up and preached without the Holy Spirit. Look, without, without the Holy Ghost, it's just empty words. That's all it is. 
Without the Holy Spirit, this is a beautiful building, but it's dead. It's just dead mechanics. There, there is nothing to it unless the Spirit of God is at work in it. But don't miss this. The fullness of the Holy Spirit is not just for the preacher. It's for all of God's people. And I can prove it to you because 1 John was not written to preachers. It was written to God's little children. In fact, if you back up to verse number 12 and 13 and 14, there are stages of spiritual growth here. There's the little children who just got saved. There are the young men who are learning to overcome, getting a little stronger. There are the spiritual fathers, the mature ones who are reproducing and passing it on to the next generation. And this is beautiful. It's right after that, he says, you have an unction from the Holy One. Watch. It may be some dear one like the person this morning in our meeting who got saved, just a girl who got saved today. Aren't you glad about that? Or maybe you've been saved for 50 years. Don't you ever miss this. The new believer that has just come to Christ and the dear seasoned saint that's been in church all of their life, we all have access to Almighty God. We all have the unction of the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Matter of fact, let me show you something. Hold your place here just a second. Go back to 2 Corinthians with me just for a moment. Mark this in your Bible. Write this reference down. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 21. Paul writes to these Corinthian believers, who for the record were a bunch of carnal people. That's what they were. Don't we love to pick on the Corinthians? I was traveling the other day, Pastor, and saw a Corinth Baptist church, and I thought, what would possess somebody to name their church Corinth Baptist church? I mean, I mean Ephesus, all right, something. You know, Philippi, Corinth? And we like to pick on them. I'll remind you, First and Second Corinthians was not put in your Bible to show you their carnality. It was put there to show you your carnality. It's not a lens on them. It's a mirror on us. So hold on to your seat. When you open the Bible to a place like Corinthians, stop looking at them and saying, boy, they were pretty bad, weren't they? And look at yourself and say, dear Lord, get that out of my life. In the middle of it, look at Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 22. He says to them, now he which establisheth us with you in Christ and hath, what's that word, church? Anointed us. Mark that in your Bible. Anointed us is God. Who have also sealed us and given us the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Do you understand that at this moment you have God's down payment on the full redemption of your body? Somebody said, oh, I can't wait to heaven someday. Brother, you don't have to wait to heaven someday to enjoy the Lord. His salvation is a present tense salvation. Eternal life didn't start when you die. It started the moment you got saved. Because at that moment, the spirit of the living God came to live inside of you. Would you mark in verse number 21, he has anointed us. And mark in verse 22, the spirit in our hearts. What is this anointing? It's not something, it's someone, and it's not just for preachers. It's for all of God's people. Go back to 1 John. Let me give you a third truth. Write this one down. It's not future, it's present. Somebody say, well, out there, out there somewhere, I sure hope to learn to live the victorious Christian life. Well, I sure hope you do too. But I want you to know, whether you ever learn it or not, you have at this moment everything you need to live the victorious Christian life. Now look carefully at verse 20. When I stop, when I stop, you say the next word. Everybody ready, class? Look at verse number 20 of 1 John chapter 2. But ye have. Would you mark that in your Bible? Verse 20, ye have an unction. Come to verse 27. But the anointing which ye what? Have. 
That's present tense. That's not somewhere hoping comes someday. Look, you don't get the Holy Ghost on the installment plan. You got all of God you're ever going to get at the moment of your salvation. That doesn't mean he has all of you. Uh, That doesn't mean that you're letting him do in your life all that he wants to do. Do you know what it means to, to live in the unction and to live in the anointing? It's not like some super race of Christians that only a handful of people ever attain to. It's people that learn what is on the inside of them and let what God put on the inside start working his way out in every area of their life. That's what it means that you have an unction and you have an anointing. This word have literally means to hold on to something, but not like, not like something in your hand. This is really interesting, like clothing. I'm looking around this room. Best I can tell, everybody's clothed and in their right mind. That's really good. And we're glad you put on clothes tonight. You didn't think about leaving the house without being clothed. And yet how many Christians start their day without ever considering the clothing of the Holy Ghost of God? What does it mean to put on Jesus? What does it mean to put on the armor of God? Would you like to know what it means? It means to acknowledge every day that I have in the Holy Spirit and by the Holy Spirit everything I need and to live in constant conscious dependence on the resources only God can get. That's what it means. And I'm meeting Christians everywhere I go who are walking around with their head down, moping their way to the rapture, fussing their way to the trumpet sound, whining their way to see Jesus. And I'm going to tell you, that's never the way God intended it to be. God said, you have an unction, you have an anointing. It is time God's people start living that way. See, we've let people who've gone beyond Scripture rob us of Scripture, and that's bad. That's really bad. This is not future. This is present tense. In fact, one of the greatest illustrations is, comes from the Old Testament. Do you remember Judges, I think it's Judges chapter 6, the Bible talks about Gideon. He's one of those that the Spirit came upon. And the Bible says this, that this, the Spirit of God came upon Gideon. And the word that's used there for it came upon him literally means he clothed himself with Gideon. This is quite a thought. God is a spirit. But God, the Holy Ghost, came and said, I'm going to put on Gideon's body. And I'm going to accomplish what I can accomplish. It won't be Gideon getting the job done. It'll be God getting the job done. What a, what a wonderful picture of the way God intended for it to be. Stop living through your own energy and efforts. That's why so many Christians are everlasting frustrated. It's not I, it's Christ living inside of me. It is the spirit of the living God that gives the unction and the anointing to do what only God can do. I have a friend that every day when he gets up, puts his shoes on. As he puts his foot in his shoe, he says, oh, Lord, Fill me now with the Holy Spirit of God. Put me on today and live your life through me. It's his little daily reminder as he gets dressed to get himself spiritually dressed because this is the way God intends us to live in the here and now. Here's a fourth thing. Write this one down. This unction, this anointing is not of man, it's of God. In fact, in verse number 19 He talks about those who went out from us, who are opposed to us. I love this. Nobody can stop this. Man can't stop this because it's God. When you come down to verse number 27, this is interesting. Everybody put your eyes on verse 27. He said, because you have the anointing, you need not that any man teach you. Time out just a second. I thought teaching was good. you got a faithful Bible teacher right here. He taught you today, I understand earlier today, about the bruised reed and the smoking flax. Is that right? 
How many of you think that's a powerful passage and you needed a Bible teacher to help guide through that? How many of you think that was helpful? Yes? So what does it mean you don't need any man to teach you? Let me tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean you get everlasting full of yourself because when you're full of you, you're not full of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean you get full of yourself and say, I don't need no preacher. I don't need a teacher. I don't need anybody to guide me. That is not what the passage says. Here's what it says. It says the Holy Spirit is going to teach you things that goes beyond what men can give you. It's not just more things in your head and more notes on your notebook. It's the power of the Holy Spirit of God living on the inside of you. It is the reality that God brings to us that is not of man. It is of God. It it is divine source and divine strength. Matter of fact, even the preposition, excuse me, kids, for using a dirty word in church, but even the preposition is a revelation. He said it is of God. It is through the Spirit. Even the preposition says, watch this, please. Excuse me, you got a great pastor, but your pastor can't give you this. The evangelist can't give you this. Your Sunday school teacher can't give you this. Your spouse can't give you this. Your parents can't give you this. Only God can give you the unction and the anointing to be the Christian God saved you to become. The fifth thing, write this one down. It's not temporary, it's continual. Come down again to verse 27. Notice it says, he abideth in us. He abides with us. We abide with Him. That's beautiful, isn't it? It literally means to remain. Like the Spirit remained on Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God remains on us. Do you know the hardest people to get to realize this? People have been saved a long time. That's going to sound crazy. I'm in a lot of churches. Some of my favorite places to go are places where churches just started and they got a bunch of first-generation Christians who don't know anything about the Bible. I don't know. They don't know how to dress when they come in the door. You, 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 call a, you call a chapter in the Bible out, they're looking in the front to see what book, what page it's on. Comes time for the hymns, and they're trying to find their place. They're not familiar with the hymns. They haven't become professional Christians yet. No. No, they're not spit, shine, polished. They don't know all the religious cliches that make us sound so spiritual. But you know what they have? They have a hunger after God. They want to know the God that lives inside of them. They want all God has for them. And you know what happens to us somewhere along the way? I don't know what happens. We get in a rut. Vance Habner said a rut's just a grave with both ends knocked out of it. It's it's death. And we get in these little religious routines, and we're going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We're doing our thing and checking our boxes, and everybody thinks we're really doing good. But let me ask you a question. Are you living right now with the unction and the anointing that God intended when he saved you? Most Christians are living so far below that. Oh, dear one, beloved, listen to me with your heart for just a moment. God has more for you. There is victory over sin. There are answers to prayer. There is purpose. There is overflowing joy. There is peace that passes understanding. There is so much more that the Holy Spirit of God has for every one of us. Where is the Moses that says, Lord, if you're not going I'm not going. Where, where's the David that says, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. Where, where is the apostle Paul that says, oh, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Hear Jesus say, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Where are the hungry and thirsty people who are wide open to God and want all that the Holy Spirit of God has for them? 
You say, well, you're pretty worked up about it. Yes, and I hope you'll get worked up about it. Because I am convinced that our American Christianity is a thousand miles away from Acts Christianity right now. It's mechanical, pardon me, and it's dead as a hammer. Where is God in all of it? Where is the spiritual awakening we say we want? Why aren't more sinners wanting what we have? What has happened to us, to the Lord's people? I'll tell you, we've forgotten what we have in the person of the Holy Spirit. A couple more and I'll stop. Number six, write this one down. It's not an emotion or an experience, it's an enabling. See, far too many people are waiting on some lightning bolt from heaven, some Shazam kind of moment. You know what I'm talking about? Is that like yabba dabba do? I don't think it is, is it? They're waiting on a chill up their spine and some, you know, euphoric thing. They say, oh, now I'm really in the Spirit. Could I just remind you, the Spirit's in you. And we're ignoring Him. This is not about emotion. This is not experience, event-driven Christianity. No, no, that's not what this is. We're not just having a meeting. Are we just having a meeting tonight? I mean, we're just doing our religious duty? Or are we really hungry after God? Let me tell you what it means to have the unction and to have the anointing. It means that the Holy Ghost of God is at work in your life at every step on Monday. On your job, on your school campus, as you make your business decisions, as you deal with the grumpy neighbor next door. The Spirit of God is enabling you to be what only God can enable you to be. One more, number seven. The unction, the anointing is not so we can simply do something. See, some people have this idea, you get the unction, you get the anointing, then you can really do something for the Lord. This is what ca- captured me this week. Look carefully at verse number 20. Would you look at verse 20? You have an unction from the Holy One, and here's why you have the unction. You know all things. Look at verse 27. But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you. And look at the last part of verse 27. And the same anointing teacheth you of all things. This is not so we can do something. It is so we can know God better. Do you know why God sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you? To illuminate the Scriptures and bring you to a deeper knowledge of God. I'm going to tell you where every one of us in this room are stuck. You're stuck at the last place where you refuse to be hungry after more of God. I meet people and they say, oh, preacher, I've had 50 years of experience with the Lord. Then you get talking to them and you find out they really have about 30 years of experience with the Lord because 20 years ago they stopped growing. They died before they died. They quit before God was finished. You know what I'm convinced of? That our infinite God, there's no searching to His understanding and wisdom. There's so much more of the Lord. Lord, help me by the Holy Spirit in Scripture to know more of who you are. Are you still hungry for that? People every week say to me, we're praying for revival. What does that mean? What does that mean? Like, if revival even blew through Jupiter, how would you know it? Can I tell you one way you'd know it? You'd fall in love with Scripture And the Holy Spirit would start turning the light on to eternal realities. And you'd be so passionately in love with Jesus, you couldn't help but talk about him. That's revival. It's not more people in the pew. Revival is not lost people getting saved. It's saved people getting in love with Jesus all over again. That's what it is. And only the Holy Spirit of God can do that for us. In an age of error, we need people of discernment. I'm telling you, this world is messed up. It's messed up. Anybody else notice in the last couple of years, it seems like the whole world's lost their ever-loving mind? 
Can I tell you why that is? This is bad. Sin gets dumber and dumber all the time. Because when you reject truth, you believe lies. When you say no to light, you plunge into darkness. And can I just tell you something? There's only one thing that can give God's people the perception, the discernment, the wisdom to navigate this age of apostasy and antichrist we're living in. Would you like to know what it is? It is the Holy Spirit of God. And here's the good news. You have Him. You have the unction. You have the anointing. So what am I supposed to do? Acknowledge Him every day. Tomorrow morning, before your feet hit the floor, before you reach for your cell phone to check your social media feed, before you speak to anyone, stretch yourself out on that bed and let that bed be an altar and say to the Holy Spirit, sweet Holy Ghost, I'm so glad you're here with me. Now you just clothe me today with you. And you live the powerful life of Jesus through me today. My wife travels with me a lot now, and I'm glad. But I'm by myself a good bit. I'm never really by myself. But do you know how many mornings I've awakened by myself in a hotel room trying to figure out what state I'm in today and and then realizing the sweet Holy Spirit. I, I may be a thousand miles away from those I love, but the sweet Holy Spirit is right here with me. Oh, I say again, I love the Holy Spirit. One of the men who worked with Charles Spurgeon one of his closest associates, after Spurgeon's death, said, I'll tell you the secret to his ministry. You know, everybody was surmising, writing books and all that. He said, I'll tell you the secret to his ministry. He said, I sat near the podium when he would walk up the pulpit stairs every Lord's Day to preach to us. And he said, for years, I watched him as he walked up those side stairs toward the lectern, towards the platform where he would speak. He said he would mutter something under his breath at every step. He said, I could see him whispering to himself. And he said, I I sat close enough and I started trying to listen, make out what he was saying. And he said, on every step as Mr. Spurgeon ascended the stairs, he would say to himself, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You think about that. The prince of preachers? No, no. I believe in the Holy Spirit. A man of great oratory. Thousands came and got tickets to get into a building to hear him speak. That wasn't it. Spurgeon said, I know I must have the Holy Spirit. You know what might be good? It might be good if every one of us tomorrow. See, this doesn't just work on Sunday. This works on Monday too, you know. It might be good if every one of us tomorrow as we walk out the door to go to work would say, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And when you get in the car, driving down the road by yourself, and the devil gets in the car with you, starts bringing thoughts to your mind and fear and temptation, you just pause and say, wait a minute, wait a minute, I believe in the Holy Spirit. It might be good if all of us reminded ourselves again what we have. So much talk, so much talk right now about what we don't have. So much talk about what we've lost. So much talk about what we cannot attain. Maybe we ought to start talking about what we have that we can never lose in the person of the Holy Spirit of God. Ye have an unction. Ye have an anointing. Now by the grace of God, let's live like it. Our Father, I thank you for the Holy Spirit. I thank you for the lovely Son of God. And I pray tonight that he will mean more to us than ever. Lord God Almighty, help us stand in awe of thee. 
our heads and hearts are bowed for a moment. Before we have any music or movement, may I ask a question or two? You know, when somebody speaks to you, the right thing to do is talk back. I'm not asking you to respond to me. I'm not the one speaking tonight. The Holy Spirit's the one speaking tonight. I just work for Him. I'm going to ask you to respond to Him, to His voice. How many of you truly know, I mean you absolutely know for a fact that your sins have been forgiven, your name's written in heaven, Jesus lives in your heart. If you died in the next 60 seconds, you're ready to meet God like you are right now. You say, preacher, I'm a long ways from perfect, but I know I've been forgiven and saved. No doubt about that. Would you raise your hand big and high in the earth mine? Hold it as high as you can for a moment. And with your hand raised to God, would you just thank the Lord for a moment? Because if it wasn't for Jesus, you couldn't say that. Raise a holy hand without wrath and doubting and say to the Lord, thank you, Jesus, for not letting me go to hell. What a Savior. What a Savior. You may lower your hands, and I must ask this question. I know it's a Sunday night, but I never take it for granted, never assume. May I ask, who is among us tonight that would say, Preacher, I couldn't raise my hand a second ago because I'm not absolutely certain of my relationship to God. Preacher, I'm not positive if I met God like I am right now that I'm ready to go to heaven, but I know this, I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to be separated from God because of my sin. Pray for me. I won't embarrass you. You say, pray for me. I'm not certain of my relationship to God. Would you raise your hand with mine just long enough for me to see it and acknowledge it? Then you can take it back down and say, pray for me, preacher. I need the Lord Jesus. I need my sins forgiven. I'm looking carefully. Anyone like that at all, pray for me. I need the Holy Spirit to come live in me. Anyone at all. Then best I can tell, I'm speaking tonight to believers. So let's just get down to it. I want to ask two simple questions. Here's the first. How many Christians in this place tonight would say, Preacher, there's something in my heart and life right now that is not exactly like it ought to be, like it used to be, like I want it to be. Something that is preventing the the free flow of the oil of the Holy Spirit in my life. And while I'm sitting here tonight, the Holy Spirit's put His finger on it. He's convicted me of it. And by the way, I'm not going to ask you to tell me what it is. I'm not your priest. Jesus is your great high priest. But you'd be honest and humble enough tonight to say, Preacher, there's no way I can be operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, the unction, the anointing, because there's something between me and the Lord that needs to get right. And if God will help me tonight, I want to confess it, forsake it, and yield it to the Lord. That's me. Pray for me. I want you to raise your hand in the air with mine right now, would you please? If you mean it, I want you to stand to your feet right where you are. Just stand up right now. You say, That's me. Quickly, God bless you. Amen. Many of us. You say, God has spoken to me. There's something, an area of my life that I need to say to the Lord, Lord, this is yours. This is yours. I'm not holding it back anymore. You can't be full of God and be full of you. If you're standing right now, God bless you. Anybody else want to join this crew? You say, that's me. I want to get right. God bless you and you. God bless you. Who else? You say, that's me. If you're standing, would you lift your head and look at me? It's all right. I don't think we'll even have a song tonight, so everybody can pray. And the only sound in the room will be the sound of people talking to the Lord. I don't know what you normally do on Sunday night. Others are going to come and pray with you in a moment. But I'm going to ask all of you, if you're physically able, I'm going to ask you to leave your seat right now and come find a place in this altar to tell God what you just told me. Will you come on right now? If you can kneel, come and kneel. If you can't kneel, stand. If you can't stand, sit on the front row. But if you can, make an effort to leave your seat and bring yourself to the Lord 
and say to God, Lord, here I am. I'm yours. And if there's somebody coming right now that needs spiritual counsel and help, Brother Kevin and others who help right here near the front, uh, if you need help, Brother Hatcher, others, they'll help you. Find you somebody and say, I, I need somebody to pray with me. Now, that's the negative side. You've got to deal with sin, you see. That's the negative side. Let's turn the other side. Let's look at the positive. I want to speak to every Christian in this room. If you are hearing me right now and you're saved, I'm talking to you, young and old, men and women, new believers and seasoned saints, I'm talking to you. I'm going to raise my hand first. But how many believers in this room tonight would say, Preacher, I'm sitting here tonight realizing God has so much more for me, and I don't want to quit for the Lord has done. I want to live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I want to understand more about the unction and anointing I have, and I want to let the Holy Spirit teach me. I want to go further with God. I don't want to stop and get stuck where I am. And if God will help me tonight, I'm going to ask the Lord to work in my heart this week by the Holy Spirit to take me to the next step and teach me what I need at this stage on my journey. You say, Preacher, I'll join you in that prayer. I'd like you to raise your hand with mine right now all over this room. If you mean it, will you stand to your feet? If you're in your seat, just stand to your feet. And if, if you're standing right now, would you look at me? I'm going to ask you, if you're physically able, would you leave your seat right now and come find your place behind the people who are already in this altar? Come and tell God what you just told me, would you please? It'll be good for us. I know you can pray anywhere in the building. I pray driving down the road, pray in the woods, pray everywhere. But there's times, there's moments when God has our attention, and it's just good for us to publicly step out and humbly before God and men say, Lord, that's me. Come as far as you can and then find your place. And I'll be still for a moment. Would you just take a moment talk to God? Just talk to Him. Matter of fact, it might be good tonight if we spoke to all three members of the Godhead for a moment. What do you think of that? Would you begin with the Father? Why don't you take a moment and tell the Heavenly Father how grateful you are to be in His family. Isn't it wonderful to be a child of God? Oh, Father, thank you for making it so we're all part of this family. Whew. Thank you for the family reunion being planned at your house shortly. We look forward to that. This dear brother we heard today that went to be with God, he just got there a little before we did. Thank you, Father, for the hope we have. Would you speak to the Lord Jesus for a moment? Speak to the Son of God. He's your Savior. Thank Him for saving you. When was the last time you told Jesus you loved Him? We ask Him for so much, don't we? might be good tonight to just say, Lord Jesus, I love you too. Thank you for loving me first. Now, would you speak to the Holy Spirit? Maybe you've never done that before. He's a real person. He's God living inside of you. He's near at hand. Would you say to the Holy Spirit tonight, Holy Spirit, take control of my life. Have all there is of me. I believe by faith, Lord, that I have the unction, the anointing. But I want to let him have all there is of me. Spirit of God, flow unhindered through our lives this week. Lord, this is one of my favorite places, and I love this church and I know the kind of believers who are here, but I also know that all of us, including this preacher, desperately need fresh reminders 
of our dependence on Thee. And so I pray tonight that we'd be wide open to the Holy Spirit. Teach us. Would you pray that right now, dear Christian? Would you pray that right now? Teach me, Lord. Open the Bible fresh to me. Teach me the spiritual realities I need right now. Help me go further with God. Father, may we live by faith. I'd like to pray for this church tonight, Lord, that in this age of apostasy and antichrist, spiritual warfare, you'd put a hedge around this congregation. Dear God, keep the devil out of this church. Keep the flesh out of the way. I pray keep your hand on this place. What a beacon for the gospel they've been around the world. Would you strengthen their pastor? Bless these faithful servants laboring with him. And touch this church. May heaven's wind continue to blow. May the greatest and most fruitful days this church has ever had be the days ahead. Until Jesus comes. May we operate this week in the unction and anointing of the Holy Spirit. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name. And all God's people said.